Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right, welcome to Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor. I'm your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you are having an amazing day. Today, we have an awesome guest. He is the best-selling author of eight books. He is the host of a top 10 business podcast on iTunes, and he helps entrepreneurs add one to two zeros to their business while working less. So let's welcome Nikki Ballou. How are you doing today, Nikki? Victor, I'm blessed and grateful and honored to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, well, thanks for being on the show. We appreciate you being on. And I'd like to get started by asking you to uh, share your brand. Please share your story. How did you get started in becoming an entrepreneur? That's a great question. So um, I'm actually originally an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. And when I was a young boy, the Islamic Revolution was happening in Iran. And my late father, God rest his soul, he could see the writing on the wall. And he knew he had to get his family out of there. It wasn't going to be a great place to raise his family anymore. So he got us out of Iran, out of tyranny and into freedom. And we live in Canada as a result of my father's pre-science. And I thank God every day for that, you know, because I, I don't know if you've been following what's been going on in Iran in the news lately, but a young woman was killed for the crime of going outdoors with her hair partially uncovered. There have been protests all across the country. Young women with a lot to lose have been protesting these ridiculous restrictions, and they've been beaten and killed by the regime. And I know it's very fashionable among certain people in the West to say, America, the West, so oppressive, so racist, so sexist. I push back hard against that. And I say, bullshit. This is the most tolerant, incredible, free place on earth. And anyone who doesn't see that is either evil, deliberately trying to like spread falseness, or they're dumb and they're lying. Okay. And we all need to push back. And remember, we're lucky to be here. This is very, very important for all of us to stand up for freedom. I'm a believer in freedom. I'm all about freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. And my late father, he was an entrepreneur. He practiced free enterprise. And I'll tell you, he was the greatest man I knew. This man, if you needed a job, Victor, he'd get you a job. If you were looking to start a business, he'd get you your starting business. Even if you were going to compete with him, he didn't care about that. He just wanted to help people. And if you worked for him and you wanted to buy a car, a house, an apartment, you didn't have enough money, dad would set you up so you could buy that car, that house, that apartment. And I tell you something, man, I loved seeing how my father was. I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to be generous and an entrepreneur, you know, and I, and I, and, and you might think to yourself, wow, wow, who does that, man? Well, the late, great Napoleon Ballou, he does that. He did that. And then why would he do that? Well, first of all, he was a Christian. He believed that he'd been blessed by God and that he had an obligation to share those blessings with others. But secondly, he did it because he could. He did it because he could. And that's why I wanted to be like him. You know, I wanted to be successful. I want to be an entrepreneur. And here's what I noticed when I uh, got into entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurs, brother, they're good people. They want to make a difference. You know, they want to help people. But many of them, they just were afraid of pushing all the way through because they thought, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to come across as salesy. I don't want to reek of commission breath. Like I just want the sale. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't go after business. They should be going after. They would lose that business. That would hurt them financially. It would hurt their self-concept. It would hurt them emotionally. But it would also hurt their potential client. It wouldn't get a good person helping them out. 
And then some charlatan marketer, some unscrupulous person would come and get that business and they wouldn't care whether they delivered or not. And I just saw that and I thought, wow, I want to help these good entrepreneurs. I want to help these people, Victor, because these people, these are good people. And I thought, what if we could help them reframe selling to serving? Like nobody wants to be sold, Victor. You don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold. But everybody wants to be served by a caring human being. And you need to remember that person sitting across from you, that's someone's father, that's someone's mother, that's someone's brother, someone's sister, someone's son, someone's daughter. That's somebody who has got someone else that looks up to them. They're a hero to that someone else. That's somebody who may have been disappointed by life, maybe even disappointed by someone just like you in business. And it's your job to come from heart, come from love and serve that person because business Business is not a numbers game, brother. Business is the people game. And you're there to serve your fellow man and woman. No, absolutely. I agree. And, and thanks for sharing that story about, you know, your family coming out of Iran as Christians during a really difficult time during the Islamic Revolution. It was good. Your dad could see before and it was not a good situation. He got you guys out of there. You guys went to, uh, went to Canada and where obviously there's a lot more freedom. And I definitely have been following what's been going on in Iran with, with all the protests and the persecution going on because of what happened to that young woman. And it's, uh, and you're right. We, I think sometimes we do tend to take a lot of our freedoms for granted. Yeah, is it perfect? I yeah, know, but it's definitely a lot better than in most other places. So I'm happy to be here. And I'm, we have a lot of opportunities here that you're not going to find in most other places. So uh, definitely Amen, a great brother. perspective. Amen. So, you know, and I think sometimes when people grow up here with comfort and luxury, they don't understand that uh, in a lot of other places, they don't have those kind of opportunities. So that's why a lot of times when immigrants come over here, they see opportunity yeah. all over the place. They're saying, yeah, I could do this. I, could, uh, I can make my own little business. And and then and they, they build from scratch and they're very successful because they know what it's like to not have any opportunity. So, you know, definitely a great perspective. I like the things you said. Entrepreneurs want to help people, but a lot of them are afraid. They don't want to look pushy or salesy, so they're afraid to take chances and they lose a lot of business. And then you talk about these guys that are uh, charlatan markers. And I want to, in a minute, I want to ask you a couple of questions about those kind of people. Uh, they'll get their business, and then I'm really going to help them. Um, but you want to help people, and you want to, you know, you want to help these people increase their business because there are a lot of people that want to help you, but they're afraid. And and you're right, no one wants to be sold, but a lot of people want to be want to buy. You want to be served, and and you made a great point. Look at people as persons. When you look at them as a transaction, that tends to turn people off, and you're going to lose a lot of people. Look at them as human beings that you want to be able to serve themselves. When these and people are smart, they can sense when you're just a transaction, a number to them, and when you're when you see them as uh, a human being that you truly care about, and they want to work with people who truly care about them. Um, but get back to these charlatan markets. Talk a little bit more about them, who they are, and. How can we avoid these charlatan markets who will just take advantage of us? Because it happens a lot. Well, listen, number one is, you know, um, it's very important that you go do your research and you do diligence, right? Um, there's people out there that just know how to sell sizzle, but if they got a track record of results, I mean, if they don't, that's a problem, right? You need to work with somebody. Listen, Robin Sharma used to be a client of mine, right? He wrote the book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And I was a fitness trainer and um, I was working with him one day and he was really good at helping people make more money. So I like went to him and I go, yo, Robin, so how would I double my income in a year if I wanted to do that? He goes, that's simple. Just triple your investment in personal and professional development. I'm like, what? 
Yeah, he said, triple your investment in personal professional development. And I'm like, okay, the more you invest in yourself, I mean, you're your most important investment, right? There are four qualities to success, okay? The first one is decisiveness. You got to be decisive. You know, you got to cut off all options other than victory, right? Um, you know, if you're not, you're not going to be successful. I mean, Napoleon Hill, when he got his start, mm -hmm. he, he met, um, he was a newspaper reporter. His editor sent him to interview the then richest man in the world, Andrew Carnegie. And he spent three hours with Mr. Carnegie. Mr. Carnegie really liked him and said, how'd you like to spend the weekend in my estate, young man? Now, Victor, I don't know about you, but if the richest man in the world asked me, how'd you like to spend the weekend at my estate? Unless I had something going on with my sons, I'm there. You know what I'm saying? Whatever else is going on, sorry, gents. Richest man in the world wants to hang out with me. Bye-bye, right? And so he spent time with him, and, you know, they, they really hit it off. And at the, at the end of their time together, Mr. Carnegie went to him. He said, Mr. Hill, I have a proposition for you. I just spend the next 20 years researching my philosophy of success and then putting your findings in the form of a book. I will not pay you a stipend, but I will give you a letters of introduction, not a letters, but letters of introduction to the 500 most successful men and women in the United States. He took 31 seconds, Napoleon Hill did, to think about it and then he said yes. And the rest is history. And then many years later, just before the great man died, they met one last time. And um, Andrew Carnegie said to him, you know, I had a watch under the table and I was watching the second hand and I'd given you one minute to make up your mind. If you hadn't made up your mind in one minute, I was going to withdraw the offer. Carnegie really shocked Hill and Hill goes, oh my God. Why? He said, well, you tell me. You've been studying my philosophy. He goes, yeah, yeah, okay. He said, because successful people are decisive and they make up their mind quickly. Unsuccessful people are not. He said, exactly. I'd approach some of the most eminent educators in the United States before you and made the same offer to them. And they all said, I need to think about it. Only half of them ever got back to me. And they said no a week, a month or more later. The rest never even got back to me. And I knew they were the wrong type of people. When I have a decision to make, I get all the facts really quickly, and then I, I decide. I don't think about it. I move forward. And I was like, wow, man, that's pretty powerful stuff. So you got to be decisive. That's number one. And you got to be committed. There cannot be a, oh, I'm going to give this a try for a week, a month, three months, and if it works out, great. If it doesn't, I quit. No, you're in it to win it. That's commitment. Then you got to be coachable. You got to have a mentor and a coach. You got to do what they say. Finally, you have to be resourceful. You have to come up with the money, time, and energy to do this because you are the most important investment you can make. If you don't invest in yourself, you're not going to win. Business owners invest all the time in things to make their business successful. Last year, Apple invested over $383 billion in their business to build new factories, new parts. Why? Because they expect a return. There's a distinction between spending and investing. People spend money when they don't expect a return, but when you expect a return, you invest money. So, you know, you need to be around folks that have worked with folks that have been, have a track record. Like we have a track record of, you know, 
11 people making an extra seven to nine figures a year and another 70 plus making an extra 100,000 to seven, 800,000 a year. Track records are important and they got to be doing things that work today. They can't be doing blogging. They can't be doing launches. That kind of crap don't work no more. They got to be doing things that work today. That's important. That's how you, you know, don't sit with a charlatan marketer. You know, I'll tell you a little story. We had a client. Her name was Adele. Adele was coach. She's really good at what she did. And um, she'd been working with these folks, these marketers. And she spent $125,000 working with them and got zero results. Zero. Then she came to us. And we told her, you know, you're just doing things the wrong way. Come work with us. And she says, oh, but I'm trusting you. This better work. And I said, it will. And I'll tell you what, in her first two, three months, Adele's income went from $2,000 a month to over $25,000 a month. And then one January, she had $500, you know, $32 in income. The next January, a year later, she had $54,000 in change in income. That, that was a 100-fold in, increase in her business. She added two zeros to her monthly income, brother. Why? Because she stopped working with charlatan marketers and she worked with us. We helped her narrow her niche. There's a lot of people out there, brother, they don't have a narrow niche. They have this, I can work with anybody. I can do anything. No, no, no. So we have this other client. His name was Danny. He was a personal fitness trainer. Really good dude. You know what I mean? One of these good people. You want to, you root for him to win. You want to be friends with him. He was young. He's 25. He wanted to help people. He came to us. He goes, Nikki, I want to help people. I want to grow my business. But he was making 12, 1300 a month. Not much at all. And um, I said, all right, who do you work with? He goes, oh, I can work with anybody. Anybody, really. I go, no, no, man. Who do you work with? There's no, really, I can work with anybody. I can help them with, you know, losing weight, getting strong, whatever they need. So that was a Mayo message, right? Really sucked as a message. I go, you can work with anybody with a wallet and a pulse? He laughed. Ah, that's funny, Nikki. I guess so. I go, no, man, you got to narrow. So he goes, okay, okay, okay. My dad's a doctor. Let me work with doctors. They have a lot of money. Victor, that's a horrible message. My dad's a doctor. You make a lot of money. Come work with me. Didn't work. So, you know, I told him you need a new message. He goes, okay, okay, okay. I work with cardiologists, narrow my niche, right? They make more money than doctors. <laughs> Terrible message. Didn't really do well with it. Then through serendipity, started working with a um, Paralympic athlete, an African-Cuban man by the name of Papito Wilson. Now, Papito was a really good dude. Um, and he really liked it when you said his name right. So not Papito Wilson, but Papito Wilson. <laughs> and so, uh, buddy, uh, worked with Dan. He got strong. He went back to the games. He won some medals. Man, the two of them, they really, they really did good things together. And Dan came to me and goes, we really did good things together. I like to work with people with missing limbs. I go, okay, go do that. So guess what, brother? In six weeks, Danny signed up 400 clients. He couldn't do one-on-one -on -one coaching anymore. He had to do some sort of hybrid group model. He added two zeros to the end of his income. So instead of 1200 a month, he was making over $100,000 a month. Now, why is that? First of all, he got a really dialed in message. His message was, I'm going to work with you folks with missing limbs. 
no other trainer would wanted to work with him because they figured they couldn't work out, right? But he said, no, you can work out. I'm going to make you strong. And that message really landed. It's just imagine putting yourself in the shoes of an individual who's disabled. They probably don't feel great about being disabled. They probably wish they were able-bodied. And um, what Dan did was he said, you're just as good as anybody else. And that message is powerful. That's why he made that much money. Now, that's some really great wisdom you just shared with us. Uh, no one, I'm glad you brought up Robin Sharma and, and talked about the importance of personal development. I don't think a lot of people give enough credence to that. First of all, it's so important because the thing between your ears is what's most important. Uh, you may know a lot of stuff, but if, if your personal development is not there, you're, you're going to have a hard time succeeding. So I agree. You got to work on it daily. And, and the more you work on it, the better you're going to become the the more you'll be able to help you. So I, I agree, personal development, I, mindset, all that stuff is so important. And the most successful, they all work on personal development. You brought up decisiveness and you brought up Napoleon Hill. I mean, I remember his chapter on decision and he said exactly what you said. You had the successful people make decisions very quickly and they change it, if at all, very slowly. Unsuccessful people, they hesitate. They take their time making decisions and they change their mind constantly. So the successful people will make the decision very quickly. So I'm glad you brought that up and you got to be committed. A lot of people are not committed. They're interested in success. They're, they have, oh yeah, sounds interesting. I'll try it for a month. But when you try something, it sends a signal to your subconscious that you don't think you're going to succeed. You have to be committed saying, I'm going to make this work at, at, you know, no matter what. If you're going to try, um, one acronym is for tries to resist, yes, you're setting yourself up for failure. That's why people who try usually do not succeed. When you say, I'm committed to this, I'm going to do whatever I can to make this work, you're much more likely to succeed. So great stuff. Coachable. Too many people are not coachable. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, the most successful people I know, they still want to learn. When you have to add to, I already know it all. When I, when, I, when I try to teach someone something, they say, I already know that. I know this person is never going to succeed. People are making millions, billions of dollars. They still want to keep learning. The average CEO reads four to five books a month. The average person reads one book a year. Those CEOs are successful. One big reason is because they're trying to learn as much as possible because they know one little thing can help them grow in their business. So they're coachable. They'll and mentors. Mentors are extremely important. If you think you can succeed with a mentor, it's going to be super difficult for you. A mentor is going to help you so much, help you save so much time and frustration. And and I love what you said about being resourceful with time, money, time, and energy. And you got to invest in yourself and your business. You brought up the example of Apple. You got to see yourself as a stock. Are you worth investing in? Because if you don't invest in yourself, you're saying, uh, it's not, you're not, I'm not a good stock. I'm not worth investing in. And guess what? You're not going to be successful. So I thought those are some really great points that you uh, brought up. And find someone with a track record. That is so important. Because you know, obviously, you shared some examples. You have a very good track record. You have lots of testimonials, people you've helped become more successful. Like this guy, Danny, who signed the 400 clients and Adele had the hundredfold increase. You know, you get, you know, have that, have the, you know, this, has this person helped? If this person has really helped anyone, they probably can't help you. And I love what you said, niche down, find a group of people that you want to focus on. If you try to market to everyone, you're going to market to no one. Find that group that you, that you want to focus on, your avatar, your perfect customer, focus on them and don't worry about the rest because and that's what you did with your clients. When you got, you know, got down to that small group that they focus on, they became much more successful. So really good stuff. And there's something you're talking about um, uh, in profile about the comfort zone, which I think is one of the biggest killers of success. 
So you might talk about because it's we're because we're there's so many people uh, hate where they are, but they're comfortable doing. It. They don't want to leave it. So how can people uh, get out of the comfort zone and avoid the issues that are that uh, that come along with being comfortable? That's a good question. You know, um, comfort is the enemy of greatness. And if you're interested in being great, you got to give up the desire to be comfortable. I was listening to uh, Patrick Bet David, Valuetainment. And he was talking about how when he was starting his business, he'd do sales meetings on New Year's Day at 6 a.m. You know, he'd do sales meetings on the day after Thanksgiving at 8 a.m. Why? Because nobody else would. He wanted to be uncomfortable when they were comfortable. And that's how you become successful. You know, because if you don't get out of your comfort zone, you're not going to value yourself, right? And it's, you know, it's important to value yourself and what you offer as an entrepreneur. A lot of entrepreneurs, the reason they're not successful is because they don't value themselves. So let me give you an example, Victor. So, Victor, let's say you were a relationship coach, Victor, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's say you help men, men going through divorce, men with a net worth of 10 million and plus. And let's say you could really help these folks out. And, you know, the average cost of the divorce is at least 50% of your net worth, right? Never mind the emotional cost, et cetera. But, you know, that makes sense to you, right? Like 5 million would be the minimum a 10 million net worth guy would lose, right? So you met him, you talked to him, you said, all right. And he's like, okay, let's work together, man. I, I need to save my net worth. I need to save my, my emotional sanity, you know? And, and he goes, okay, what do you charge? And you looked him in the eye, Victor, you smile, and you go, 50 bucks. <laughs> the guy will never take you serious. You'll think you're a joker, right? The right, right answer shouldn't have been 50 bucks. It should have been 50,000 bucks, right? Because then he'd take you seriously. You need to charge enough so that your client shows up ready to do the work and get the outcome. Business is about solving acute problems for wonderful people for wonderful profit. That's the PPP seven-figure solution. Acute problems for wonderful people, wonderful profit. You're solving problems. You're going for outcomes. You're not comparing yourself to whoever else is charging or not charging, whatever they're charging. The only reason you're not charging what you should be charging is you're, you're afraid you're not worth it or you think you are worth it, but you don't think anyone will pay. And that's just because you're scared. It's not because you believe in yourself you're not believing in yourself you stay in your comfort zone when you don't believe in yourself you don't stay in your comfort zone when you believe in yourself now the story it was a man he lived in manhattan he owned a clinic made one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year 
acupuncture, health and wellness clinic. He had A-list clients. Robert De Niro was a client. But he wanted to make seven figures. Because 150000 in Manhattan is not a lot of money. So guess what? He came to us and he goes, I, I want to make more money. I want to make seven figures. I'm not making enough. Can't buy my, my dream home with my, with, my, uh, with my wife. Can't do all the things I want to do for my daughter. So I said, all right, let's look at how you're running your business. First thing I noticed was his prices were stupid low. I said, you got to raise your fees. He goes, okay, I can do that. I think he thought I meant 10, 20%. But no, sir. I did not mean 10, 20%. I meant 20-fold. He freaked out. <gasps> I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't do it. Said, relax, buddy, relax. Finally, we were able to persuade him to raise his fees. He wouldn't do it 20-fold, but he did it seven-fold. But that 20-folded the number of clients that he had. And he went from 150,000 to 1.2 million in four months. That's the power of owning your value because your client gets the income I mean, the outcome, excuse me, they're looking for. Because they're looking for an outcome. And you get the income. That's some really good stuff. I like what you said, comfort is the enemy of greatness. Uh, you got to get uncomfortable if you want to be great. And um, if you want to be great, you have sure. to, you really have to be uncomfortable. And, you know, uh, a, a certain successful people say, listen, I do the things that are uncomfortable now and be very uncomfortable in my life because down the road with all this stuff that don't be, be uncomfortable, I'm going to have a comfortable life. But if I ever try to do, be comfortable now, later on in my life, so I'm going to be comfortable because I'm being mediocre. So you got to do those things. Like you give the example of that guy, he does sales call 6 a.m. the day after Thanksgiving. Very few people are going to do that because most people are sleeping in the day after Thanksgiving because he's doing what most people will not. And, um, and I think a great point you made is you got to value yourself. If you don't, you know, and here's the thing, clients can read you subconsciously, subconsciously subliminally. If you don't value yourself, they're going to sense that. And they're going to say, well, this person doesn't value themselves. I'm not going to value them either. So, and you're right. A lot of people are afraid to charge because they either, uh, they don't think they're worth it. They're afraid people won't pay. And you get, and like you said, if you're charging 50 bucks, people won't take you seriously. But if you charge 50,000, yeah, people will say, oh, this person has really good stuff. And you have the value to behind it to give them. You say, listen, you invest in me. I could double or triple your income. If you if you can give them the results, people will pay it. You know, and especially you have the track value. record. So, you know, people are not afraid of it. And, and, and that's the thing. You got to value. So one thing I learned from one of my mentors, he says, when, I, when a prospect comes up to me, I tell him straight out, listen, I'm not cheap. I'm going to charge you money. I'm not going to charge you 50 bucks. I'm going to charge you thousands. But you know what? I'm going to get you good results. I have all these testimonies, testimonies of people I've helped. But if you're going to work with me, I'm not cheap. So you got to tell them straight up. And you gave that example of that guy who was making 150K. Um, he didn't want to raise his price to 24, but he raised his sample. Guess what? He went up to 1.2 million because people took him more seriously. You can think about public education. A lot of times people don't take it seriously because it's free. When they go to college, it's 20, 30, 40,000 a year, and you have skin in the game because you're paying all that money, you're going to take that schooling, that education seriously because you're paying all that money. But when things are given to you for free, you're like, that's not a big deal. Sometimes you don't take it seriously. When we have to invest a lot of money in something, you will take it more seriously. So 
So it's not just the benefit for yourself, you're getting more money, but the benefits also for the client because when they invest more, they are much more likely to take it seriously. If you charge them 50 bucks, they're very likely not uh, going to take it seriously. But if you charge them 50,000, they definitely will take it seriously. So the benefits both for you and for the client. Uh, so I just want to go back to something you said earlier about you know, people afraid of you know uh, looking salesy or pushy. Um, and you know, I think you, have, you can come up with a great answer. How can someone, you know, and like when you have a new client coming up to you and they're saying, you know, I want to travel, I want to, I want to, I want to make more money, but I want to come across as too salesy or pushy. So what do you say to them when they ask you that? Well, like I said at the beginning, brother, like treat the person in front of you like a human being. Focus on serving, not selling. Take the attention off you. And that's part of what we teach inside of our programs is exactly how to do that. I like that. Focus on serving and not selling. Focus on the other person. And, and I think that's great because so many people just focus on themselves. And uh, I think if you want to, if you want to deserve, you got to serve. So um, what about uh, helping people? Um, you, know, you talk about creating a compelling brand through thought leadership. Would you mind talking a little more about that, please? Well, the entire conversation has been around that, right? Every, every point we've made. First of all, treat people as a human being. You want to be known as somebody who does that. Secondly, you got to have a powerful message and not a Mayo message. And thirdly, you got to own your value because a thought leader can't be charging a ridiculously low amount. So those are some of the ways we do it. And I'll tell you one last, um, I'll, I'll tell you one last story, which I think will demonstrate this very powerfully. Um, we had a lady come to us few years back she had been the country director for canada for one of the world's oldest and largest personal development companies great lady and um she brought someone to work with her to grow the business and this fellow was you know very talented in her view kind of like steve jobs in the early days of apple when he brought john scully on right and just like Steve Jobs and John Scully, these two got along for a while, but after a while, their vision started to diverge and um, they didn't get along. And just like Steve Jobs back in the day, she was forced out of her own company. Right? And for a long time, she was lost and floundering, like 18 months. She was introduced to us and here's what happened. Um, we embraced her. We saw she had real skills. We helped her get a good message, which she helped entrepreneurs deal with burnout. Entrepreneurs who were about to lose everything. She helped them like overcome burnout so they could keep their company, keep their family. And they got known for that, right? Like to be a thought leader, you know, an expert, someone who knows something, a thought leader, someone who's known for knowing something. So she started to become known for that. And then all of a sudden, in her first month, she made 10 grand. In her second month, she made 12 grand. In her third month, she made 18 grand. But in her fourth month, man, she made $62,200. And that figure will become germane in a moment. Um, she lived in Ottawa. I live in Toronto and Canada. That's a five-hour drive. And my oldest son had a soccer tournament in Ottawa. He was 12 at the time. You know, soccer is what I call the real football because it's actually played with your feet. <laughs> so I called her up 
because she had a son my son's age. And I said, hey, we're coming up to Ottawa for a tourney. How'd you guys like to come watch a game? Maybe grab some lunch with us. She said, sure. So we did that. Everybody had a great time. And then we drove back home to Toronto. A few weeks later, we had one of our branded thought leader immersion workshops. That's where we teach people about how to be a branded thought leader, how to add one to two zeros to their income, you know, how to work 10 to 20 hours less per week. Really, really great program. And um, we'd come to the point in the program where we did our famous upsell to the new people. And the way I do that is I don't pitch. I ask my people to share their experience. So I asked who'd like to share their experience. And before I could pick anybody, she bounded on stage and said, me, me, me. I'm like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> and as she looked at the audience, she started to cry. And like any red-blooded man faced with a crying woman, I panicked. Why is she crying? <laughs> what did I do? But I stayed calm on the outside. And she looked at me between sobs and tears and sniffles, said, Nikki, you didn't know this, but when you and your little son came to visit me and my little son, my little son asked me in the way little boys do with excitement, mommy, mommy, who are we going to go meet? And I said, oh, we're going to go meet Nikki Baloo and his son. All of a sudden, my sweet boy, she said, became very, very quiet and very serious and said, oh, Mommy, are we going to meet the man who saved our family? And I'm like, brother, I don't cry in public, but I cried. And we hugged. And in between her tears, she said, Nikki, you didn't know this, but when I came to see you, I hadn't paid my mortgage in months. The bank was about to foreclose on our home. And my husband and I were fighting like cats and dogs every day in front of our three small children under 12. You literally helped us save our family. And here's what I saw. I saw that you never know what someone's dealing with. You just never know. And that it's my job to just serve the good people. And I ask God to send me more good people to be of service to. And that's who I look for every day. Someone else just like this lady to help. And that, that, that's a really I think everybody great... needs to, I think everybody needs to do that. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Serve good people. And that story of that woman, you know, he saved her family and, uh, and she cried. And I can imagine, I know as a man, when I hear a woman crying, I get scared. Like, what's going on here? But you know, with the son, she said, this is the man that saved our family. And, and you can make a difference in people's lives. That's just one of the most incredible feelings that you help these people out and then you save their family. And there's, there's so much to this business. It's not just making money. It's good and it's nice, but you make a difference in people's lives. You help families out and you just you know, uh, help contribute to their better overall being, you know, and, and they thank you for it and, and they share their testimonies and you get a, a phone call or email from them. Thank you for all that you did for them. That's one of the most incredible feelings out there. So I'm sure that's got to feel so good for you, you know, especially as a Christian, that, you know, you make these things feel like you're serving them, you're helping them, and you're just making things better for them. That's got to be um, 
one of the most uh, incredible feelings. And because you look at people as human beings, good people who, you know, you want to help. Unfortunately, like you mentioned, the shark, the marketers before, they just see them as transactions, as numbers, someone just to make money off of. But they don't focus on as human beings that, you know, they can help and make the difference in people's lives. And those are the kind of people in the long run that are the most successful people because they're focused on helping people out. The more people you help, the more people you serve, the more people you contribute to, the more successful you'll be. And that's 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 a secret. A lot of people do not understand, but the most successful people do. So I love that last story. You said you share some really great stories, Nikki. And I just uh number one, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I thank you for all the wisdom you shared. Um, I learned a lot. I'm sure the people listening here also learned a lot. So um, and before we let you go, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, go to my website, eastcircleacademy.com. There's a whole bunch of free resources there. And if you want to jump on a call uh, to talk about your business and, you know, why it's stuck and what you need to do to get it unstuck, there's a button there. Fill out an application form and we'll have a, a complimentary call. Let's let's get to it. There's not a lot of time left between now and the end of the year. It's time that you you rev it up and make the rest of the year the best ever that it's been so far in your business career. Awesome. That sounds good. All right, again, thanks again for being on the show, Nikki. Have yourself an amazing day. Take care and God bless. Yeah, you too, brother. Thanks so Thank much you. for having me on. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.